And my great grandma said, no, we came here and we're going to make it here because that's what we said. That's what we set out to do. And we're not breaking that promise. Welcome to Immigrants Wake America. This is a podcast where storytellers share their family histories and the centrality of women in their life stories. In response to the growing hatred and hostility, we conceptualize this podcast as a space for conversations among storytellers who are very much living, breathing, and responding to the current moment in their lives. I am Shruti Jain, an international student from India, pursuing my PhD in the English department at Sunni Binghamton University. And I am Lily, an international student from China, pursuing my PhD in the Translation Research and Instruction Program at SUNY Binghamton University. We're the hosts for this podcast. Today, our guests are Jim Hawley and Laura D'Angelo. Jim worked as a librarian in Broome County, Binghamton, New York, for over 50 years and is currently a yoga teacher at Binghamton University. Laura was a Binghamton University student and is now working in New York. Jim and Laura talk about their grandparents and their own personal stories around migration. Um, I was uh, moved into my grandparents' house when I was very young. My parents uh, uh, separated and they went their own way and my grandmother and grandfather raised me. And uh, the neighborhood that I grew up in uh, 76 years ago, uh, it was right after World War II. So if we put it into perspective, um, most of the my neighborhood uh, cohorts were, were children of parents who had endured not only uh, the ravages of, you would say, the Depression, which was very traumatic for many people at that time. And our neighborhood was filled with people from uh, several different uh ethnicities from several different areas. And as I glimpse through the houses in my neighborhood, I see Mr. Murphy, Irish, Mr. Shulis, Greek, uh, Mrs. Basmasian, uh, uh, Armenian, uh, Mr. Zervis, Greek, Mr. Spaziri, my grandfather, Italian, uh, moving up and down the neighborhood. Uh, Bubby Goodman, uh, she was from, I believe, uh, Russia or Poland, she spoke Hebrew, and her daughter was the mother of, of the young fellow I grew up with, who was like a brother to me, uh, Philip Savitz. They were um, Orthodox Jewish people, but I lived practically in his house along with some of my other friends. They lived right across the street from me, so I indulged in some of the best foods that uh, Phil's mother would make. And then uh, visiting the Greek houses, whatever they had on their table that all of us kids could share, and so on. But um, it was a, a mixed neighborhood, and it was really interesting um, because, um, you know, you, you found out that not everybody was the same. And uh, people spoke different languages. And although you might not have understood them, or you could understand um, their broken English. You just kind of knew that their grandpa was a little bit different than your grandma. And, uh, but we all blended. Well, it's interesting how you, Jim, were referring to your childhood and kind of saying how you had this ideal childhood, because that's similar to what I always hear my grandma say uh, when she talks about her upbringing growing up in Brooklyn. She was born in 1930. And it's the same kind of deal where she says 
even though they were very poor and didn't have much, she kind of didn't know any better because everyone else around her was poor. So it's not something she realized until after the fact. In terms of her upbringing, well, I guess I should backtrack. My grandma's father, uh, my great-grandpa Marmo, he was actually born in America in 1901, which is interesting because I didn't always know that. I kind of just figured he was born in Italy and then they emigrated from Italy to America when they came in 1930. But he was actually born in America in 1901 and his father, I think his name was Antonio, he would push carts and collect rags and newspapers and bring them to a junkyard for a living. And then I think, I think his older brother wanted them to move to Pennsylvania because they thought there would be better opportunity there. And they went there and I believe they worked as grave diggers and it wasn't really working out for them too much. And then my great grandpa's father took his family back to Italy. And then, and my grandma always says her father was mad that his father took him back to Italy because he was born in America. So he would always say, say, I could have gone to school here. So he came back and my grandma, my great grandma was pregnant with my grandma on the ship to America. And yeah, they had to work very hard to just kind of make, make ends meet. And my grandma's always telling me these stories about how growing up there was icicles on her diaper or how she slept in a drawer as mm-hmm. a baby because they couldn't afford a crib for her. And and then I believe there is this moment when even after my great grandpa came to America and they were struggling. So he kind of was having doubts and saying, maybe we should just go back to Italy to our farm town. And, just you know, that's what we know. We're struggling here. And my great grandma said, no, we came here and we're going to make it here because that's what we said. That's what we set out to do. And we're not breaking that promise. So so she, she kind of snapped my great grandpa back into it and he said, okay. And they stayed and he dreamed of owning a house in Brooklyn, which I think he eventually did when my grandma was like 16 or 17. They eventually saved up enough money to get a little house in Cypress Hills, which he was very proud of. They all struggled. Yeah. Your, your grandparents struggled and my grandparents struggled. It was a tough time for a lot of people, but you know, it built resilience and strength and determination, like your grandma said, we're going to stay here and we're going to make it. Well, my grandmother who raised me uh, was um, actually used to call it crippled, crippled up with polio when she was a child. And so she walked uh, with significant limps and she had double canes. And uh, she she went to work at a sheltered workshop for handicapped people. But she was tough. She was a tough lady. Uh, you know, she'd get up early in the morning and walk out to the bus stop, take the bus, go to work, come back, walk home from the bus stop. And um, she worked uh, five days a week and she worked on the weekend. A lot. Did your grandparents ever worry during the World War II era, even though I know you said you grew up after that? Did they worry at all about being persecuted for their Italian heritage? Because I know, I know, isn't it a thing that a lot of Japanese Americans mm-hmm. and Italian-American because of, you know, the whole internment camp situation? You know, that's a good question, Laura. It's interesting. There, there, now, I've heard of people telling me uh, there was discrimination against people, Italian people, and I'm sure that existed. Um, 
in general, you know, I, I wasn't familiar with it in Binghamton. I think my wife said in Endicott there was some, uh, some uh, antipathy towards Italian people moving into some neighborhood. But I, I do know that in some places, and it, I guess it depends on where it was, there was, there was this uh, antipathy towards Italians, but it was a general kind of like xenophobic period, uh, fervor towards people who were not born in America. You know, they, no matter who you were, if you weren't here, they didn't like you, I guess. But, you know, that, that people overcame that. My my grand grandmother's uh, my grandmother who raised me her uh, baby brother his <laughs> name Jimmy and he was drafted or uh, joined the war uh, in in, in the early forties and uh, he went through the whole war with my other uncle Dave and my uncle Buddy who was killed in Normandy and so my mother uh, when I was born my mother named me after after Jimmy not too much longer. Uh, you know, I was told uh, of uh, my Native American heritage by another aunt, so I'm of mixed descent. And so I, I spent many, many years uh, in Native American ceremonies and so on, uh, over 30 years. And uh, and I was named in a, what they call a Sundance Arbor by two medicine men, uh, Earl Swifthawk and uh, uh, Crow Dog, Leonard Crow Dog. So they gave me the name Wambliwiacha in Lakota. That means eagle feather. And uh, I, I Sundance many, many years and I ran, you know, pe people lived with me. Lakota people lived with me. I went out to the reservation 14 years and a lot, I spent a lot of my time doing that anyway. And I retired from those ceremonies about eight or nine years ago because I'd gotten old. I mean, it got no, it was pretty vigorous, pretty rugged things, some of the things that we did. So I, you know, I bowed out with grace and, um, you know, and still still retain the, the memory and uh, retain connections uh, with that part of my heritage. But, you know, I'm not just one thing, you know. So I wanted to just fill up myself with what I was or what I knew to be myself. And uh, I wanted to be a complete person. Uh, I did it. So my grandma was born Antonetta Lucia. That was the name on her birth certificate. And then when she went to preschool in America, the teachers kind of said, that sounds too long. And they just, I think they shortened it down to Antoinette Lucy, just because they found that easier to say. And and so, yeah, she was originally Antoinette Lucia. And then when she went to school, it got changed to Antoinette Lucy. And then sort of through the years, it just kind of like on her social security and official government documents and stuff. I think it's just Anne Lucy. And so, yeah, when she had her six kids, she named them. My father's name is John. And then uh, her other son's name is Alex. And there's Jeannie, Catherine, they were all names that were based on, like, I think my Aunt Catherine was named after some relative, Caterina. They were all based on Italian relatives, but it was the Americanized version of that because my grandma's father always was making an effort to try to Americanize his family. Like, when he came to America and was living with one of his aunts in Astoria while he was saving up to get his own place and get on his feet. He learned about the whole Christmas tree tradition because that was something 
they didn't do in Italy, obviously. And he just, so when he had a place of his own with his kids and his wife, he said, we're getting a Christmas tree because that's what Americans do. So my grandma sort of took that mentality from him. And when she had her kids, she she did not want them having big, long, luscious, rhythmic Italian names that would make them stick out. She wanted them to have American names. And then it's funny because my, so then my aunts and uncles, they went and had their kids. And then those kids who have now started having kids have kind of done the opposite. And they have kids whose names are Katerina and Ana Lucia and all these long Italian names because they're proud of their heritage. So they want to show that. And you know, my grandma was sort of confused by it at first. She was just like, oh, that's nice. Look, why are you making them have such long names? Because she just feels like in her head, like, oh, it's so long. It's going to be so hard for people to remember it and write it out. But my cousins, they're just like, we're proud of our heritage. We want to, we want to show it off. So yeah, it's funny how it kind of, kind of changes and it goes in cycles. So she, she'll be telling the stories while she's, you know, mixing the sauce and then always ending it with, oh, this is no good. I'm sorry. And always apologizing because she always feels like whatever she cooks isn't good enough because she's always comparing, I guess, what she cooks now to the past when she was making these big meals for, you know, entire families, like big four course meals. And I guess it's, it's harder to cook for one person than she lives on her own, but and I always try to tell her, you need to give yourself more credit. You're you're 90 years old and you're still cooking for your grandchildren. That's pretty impressive. So when you said your grandmother was, you know, making sauce and so on, I remember as a little boy, my grandmother would say, uh, run downstairs and give me a couple of quarts of tomatoes and bring them up. And she made sauce. That was from the tomatoes they canned. So I remember those days too. Um, on another note, when my grandfather bought his little tiny house on the south side of Binghamton. And interestingly enough, he bought it with what was called war bonds. And war bonds were bonds sold uh, during the conflict to help support the war. And I think at the end of the end of the war, he had like $500 saved or whatever from working, you know, four or five years for, for the government facility and bought this little tiny house with a big backyard on the south side of Binghamton. And my grandmother was kind of mad at him because she said, why did you get this little house? He says, the house is little, but the yard is big. So what do you put in the backyard? A garden. My grandmother wasn't so much in the garden as in the kitchen with the garden. So she said my grandmother was handicapped and uh, she would hardly, she wouldn't be able to really get in and move around in the garden. She had double, double canes and so on. But it was her philosophy about what you did with the garden when you had the garden. And one of them is that uh, she always said that the more you give away from your garden, the more you're going to get back. So, you know, neighbors would come by and say, you want a tomato? You want a squash? You want this? I mean, we gave away stuff all the time. And, uh, and it was her feeling that the more you give from this garden, the more you're going to get back as a human being. And I find that to be very true. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Immigrants Wake America. For more conversations and explorations, please listen to our future episodes available on all major streaming platforms. We have linked our social media and website in the description box. 
we would be happy to hear your thoughts and feedback. See you next time. Until then, take care and stay safe.